Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lobanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. It's time to get high. This is Scoop Podcast episode 420 on this 3rd of July. The year is 2023. I will empty out my figurative notebook, a handful of notes. Then we will get to many conversations. On the Wolves, what was expected is now official. Well, heck, it'll be official when he puts pen to paper, but it has been agreed to. The Anthony Edwards five-year max extension is in place. Now, Ant can't officially sign until Thursday. The five-year extension is for a full five years. There's no options. When talking this much money, we're not talking options. This is always been the plan a straight five-year deal it can be worth up to 260 million dollars the way and can get to 260 30 percent of the salary cap is next season making all nba winning defensive player of the year or being named mvp the easiest clearly the easiest path is to make an all nba team i think it's incredibly realistic that ant can make third team all nba heck maybe even higher but certainly third-team All-NBA. If he achieves that goal, then he will max out at approximately $260 million. This agreement was negotiated by Bill Duffy, the former Gopher, and Joe Branch of WME. So Joe was with the Wolves. Joe came aboard when Gerson Rosas got hired by the Wolves. Joe was an agent for a long time then made the transition to working in the Wolves front office. Then when Tim Connolly came aboard last summer, Joe parted ways, Joe moved on. That was approximately this time last year, July of 2022. But while here, Joe Branch developed a good relationship with Anthony Edwards. The reason Anthony Edwards left Clutch Sports run by Rich Paul is because Omar Wilkes was the head agent for Ant. Well, Omar in the last six-ish months, left Clutch Sports to work for Fanatics. So once Omar left Clutch Sports, Ant was like, okay, I need new representation, has this good relationship with Joe. That's how that came to fruition. What will be interesting now is this was always going to happen. Edwards officially signed with WME like two-ish weeks ago, three-ish weeks ago. The news broke over a month ago, but the official documentation got registered with the Players Association like two-ish weeks ago. Will Clutch Sports, I don't know this, but it's interesting, will Clutch Sports fight for the commission 
on this contract or can Ann argue, hey, like they did the negotiation. I'm with them now. They get the full commission. But bottom line, Bill Duffy and Joe Branch negotiated this deal. Bill Duffy has his fingerprints on Jaden McDaniels. So Jaden has co-representation with Bill among those helping out on Jaden McDaniels. As I sit here today, afternoon, July 3rd, nothing is close on a Jaden McDaniels extension. The deadline is still many months from now. I absolutely can see it happening, but just right now, nothing is close. It is a process, but we'll continue to monitor the Jaden McDaniels contract extension situation because I do think before opening night, I can see it happening. All right, Damian Lillard. So Chris Haynes, who works for TNT, who works for Bleacher Report, he is very close to Lillard. He is very close to Lillard's representation, Aaron Goodwin. He has his fingerprints in the Portland front office, so he knows people with the Blazers. He reported on Monday morning that the Wolves have made an inquiry with Portland about trading for Damian Lillard. Bottom line, if I thought this was a big deal, I would have made this the lead item in this podcast. I do not, let me repeat, I do not see a scenario where Damian Lillard ends up here in Minnesota. I do sense this front office is like Rosas. They like to have their finger on the pulse of everything that is going on around the league. So I tweeted somebody a couple days ago and at tweet that, hey, I fully expected the Wolves to at least inquire. Well, that's what they have done. I fully believe that Haynes's information is rock solid, that he has that spot on with all his relationships with this story. So I am sure Minnesota has made an inquiry, but I'm just telling you, I do not foresee a realistic scenario where Damian Lillard ends up here in Minnesota. It was a great Friday for Tim Connolly and company. So they knew early on, whether it was Thursday afternoon, Thursday night, Friday morning, hours before free agency, that the likelihood of Dante DiVincenzo choosing the Wolves was low. Now, my intel is Dante was very open-minded to coming here to Minnesota, but the poll, once it was known that New York was going to be in, that that was where he wanted to go, reunite with his Villanova guys, Jalen Brunson, Josh Hart. So the Wolves had intel hours before the official start of free agency that DiVincenzo was very unlikely. They also had the intel that Bruce Brown was very, very, very unlikely. Plus, they knew at some point Eric Gordon wasn't looking to come here to Minnesota. This just isn't a free agent destination, right? Phoenix is for many reasons. Minnesota is not. So I thought the Wolves did a very good job knowing what they knew to divide and conquer the way they did. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, it's significantly less than the qualifying offer, two years, $9 million. That is a win. To have options on the two-year deals for Shake Milton, for Troy Brown Jr., those are wins. Brown can make three-pointers. You think about Torian Prince leaving. The Wolves are going to miss Torian Prince. Well, Troy Brown Jr., former first-round pick, he makes <clears throat> three-pointers. Then you think about Shake Milton. Now, he was out of Philadelphia's rotation in the postseason, but I have a contact in the Philadelphia front office texted him on Friday night. He said, hey, you guys will love Shake, the player. You will love Shake, the person. He thinks two years, $10 million with that team option is a great deal for the Wolves. I'm telling you, Shake Milton 
can play, and he will play point guard. Like, Jordan McLaughlin is back, but McLaughlin is going to have to earn his minutes. Like, McLaughlin isn't the number two point guard as I sit here and record this podcast. So I just think Friday night worked out really, really well for the Wolves. What I noted on Score North last Tuesday came to fruition late last week, Corliss Williamson, who, heck, he's had opportunities to at least pursue a head coaching job. And, heck, at 49 years old, he still might get that opportunity after a couple years away, you know, helping with his son, who's now heading off to college, Arkansas Little Rock. Corliss was looking to get back into the NBA coaching game, so he will join Chris Finch's staff. I've heard a lot of good things about Big Nasty. I remember loving to watch Corliss Williamson play for Nolan Richardson and the Arkansas Razorbacks back in the day. But Corliss Williamson, now a member of Chris Finch's staff. Jalen Noel, I will tell you, I thought the market might move a bit faster than it has. We know Jalen Noel isn't going to be back with the Wolves, but I thought, like, I thought he might be off the board 48 hours into free agency. But my understanding is it's been a very slow-moving market for Jalen. But I do think some team is going to get a guy that's uber-motivated, that he knows he's a much better shooter than what he provided last year with the Wolves. He's a bucket getter, former USA basketball guy when he was 16 years old, Pac-12 player of the year. Those are guys I wager on. I would still bet on Jalen Noel having a very productive NBA career, but it will not be here in Minnesota. On to the Twins, Sonny Gray gets a $100,000 bonus for being named an All-Star. Still no extension talks. I think what ends up happening is what I've said before, but I'll reiterate it now. The Twins tender him a qualifying offer after the year. I think he rejects it. I think he can go get a three-year, 60 to $65 million deal elsewhere. As of now, I don't see that happening here, but the Twins could get some draft pick compensation for tending, tendering him the qualifying offer. I just can't see him accepting the qualifying offer, but if he did, the Twins would happily accept Sonny Gray in 2024 at around $20 million. It's a one-year deal. The Twins would love that, but I have a hard time believing that Gray would accept the qualifying offer. I was over at CHS Field the other day, found out that Louis Varland is working on a new pitch. That pitch is a two-seam fastball. Nice to see prospect Austin Martin back. He is back on his rehab assignment with the Fort Myers Class A team. He was out for a couple weeks after a collision. It was like three games into his rehab assignment. He's been out with, uh, what is it, like an elbow issue? He was out with something connected to throwing. I think it was an elbow issue. I should have written it down. But anyway, he was out for many, many, many weeks. Finally began a handful of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, a rehab assignment. Then three games in, it was a collision in the field. He ended up getting hurt, hurt his ribs, but he is now back. So that is good to see. I would not bet against Austin Martin being a major leaguer at some point, whether it's the end of this year or sometime next year. I still can see a path to that happening. The Twins did not come close on trading for Araldis Chapman. The Royals sent him the other day to the Texas Rangers. Certainly there was an inquiry, but I just don't sense the Twins ever came close. Jorge Lopez still out. On the mental health list, he was spotted at CHS Field the other day, throwing, smiling, in a very good mood. He was throwing to Chris Williams. Chris Williams, the Twins prospect, was his catcher. So Jorge Lopez, from that scene, is said to be doing very, very well. Tonight at Target Field is Mike Radcliffe night. 
I just hope tonight is very therapeutic for his many family and friends that will be in attendance. The longtime twin scout passed away in the winter after a lengthy battle with cancer. Such a good man. Was on this podcast a number of times. You go back 35 years. So many guys are twins, were twins because of Mike Radcliffe. Namely, I think about Joe Maurer. I also think about Byron Buxton. The draft, by the way, begins on Sunday. The Twins ramp up their draft meetings on Tuesday, Tuesday, July 4th. That's when the Twins ramp up their in-person draft meetings. Around 45 people will be in the room, many scouts in town for meetings that begin on Tuesday. The Twins have, what is it, three picks in the top 50, four picks in the top 100, the fourth largest draft pool. So next weekend, starting on Sunday, will be a key three-day stretch for the Twins. Do I know who they will take at pick five? I don't. I will tell you, I sense they really, really like Max Clark. They had a very good conversation interview with him at the Combine in Arizona a couple weeks ago. The interesting question is, if Walker Jenkins, the other prep outfielder, is the one guy of the consensus top five, if he's the one guy sitting there at pick five, do the Twins go Jenkins? Or do they go with one of these college bats or maybe even a high school arm? Now, I do think if Skeens gets to five, if Langford gets to five, Wyatt Langford, the outfielder from Florida, decision easier. I do think there's a bunch of Max Clark fans here in Minnesota. So if he gets to pick five, I can see him landing here. The question is, Walker Jenkins, the prep outfielder, what will the Twins do if he is sitting there at pick five? I'm looking forward to later today connecting with Cam Bynum, the Viking safety. He is spending extended time in Philippines, in the Philippines. So he'll be there until, heck, just a couple days before training camp. He's got family ties to the Philippines. He's been running a football camp over in the Philippines. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Cam Bynum. He'll join me via Zoom later tonight from the Philippines. Gophers men's basketball sounds like an exhibition game is in the process of being finalized, a Division Three opponent. That's just always a cool environment, cool scene for a local Division Three team, a Minnesota-based Division Three team going to Williams Arena and playing the Gophers. All right, let's now transition to interviews, many of them. Let's begin on the MLB draft. Sean Johnson is the final decision-maker in the Twins draft room. His official title, Twins Vice President of Amateur Scouting. Here is Sean Johnson. On the 2023 Major League Baseball draft, the Twins have the fifth overall pick. Sean, Keith Law calls this the best draft class since 2011. There's other pundits that say this draft class is off the charts. We can compare how good it is to other years, but like, how good is this draft class? Yeah, I think when they talk about the depth of a draft or how good it is, they're usually talking about the first few picks in the draft. So on the top end, it's, it's really, you know, saying Keith's on track there with his comments. Um, it's got great depth to it throughout the first round, um, especially where we're picking. Like, we like that group and some. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it always feels funny. Like, some, wherever you pick in the draft, it's always like one player short of your pick. It's just a thing that happens in the room, um, even when you pick one like we've done before. So um, I think we have a, a good crop to pick from, and our group's really excited about it. We'll focus on pick five for a duration of this back and forth. But So what is it, four picks in the top 100, three in the top 50? You've got, correct me if I'm wrong, is it the fourth largest draft pool? Like, you are well-positioned. 
Yeah, it's a good year to have pool money and with, with all the options like we talked about that are going to be there. So we're, our group's excited to see how we use those dollars and, and what transpires in the room. Okay, on pick five, there seems to be a consensus. The two LSU guys, the Florida guy, these two high schoolers, Jenkins and Clark. Like, do you look at it like that? Like, okay, you're picking fifth, and guess what? We know that one of those five is going to get to five. Or, like, how do you view that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. The narrative is that it's a five-player draft. There's no way on earth I would just we just go watch five guys play and just pick whichever one's left. That's not how we'd ever approach it. I think it's always important to keep, keep from going into a narrow focus where it's just like we're going to concentrate on this group. Our, our group has been covering players well beyond the five that are being talked about. Um, just keeping all our options open because, as we learned even last year, you just never know how the picks are going to unfold. There may be a player that's not mentioned in that top five that goes ahead of us. Anything's possible, so we, our plan is to be ready for whatever happens. You're right, anything is possible, but as you go through all your mock scenarios, like, do you know like certain guys won't be there five? Like, okay, Dylan Cruz, we know he's going one, two, three, or four. Paul Skeens, we know he's going one, two, three, or four. Or is there that much uncertainty that maybe one of those guys does fall to five? Yeah, I think you can assume anything, right? But the reality is that they may not go one, two, or three for whatever reasons, things we can't see coming. Um, so we'll obviously spend a lot of time on that top part of the board and, and again, just try to be re- ready for whatever. It may go very straightforward the way people think it's going to go, but we, we know better than to go in with that attitude like it's going to happen like we think because it's not often the case that it goes you know, chalk or the way it's supposed to go. How good is Dylan Cruz? Uh, phenomenal player. Uh, he was a, you know, he was one of the most famous 15 year olds on the planet back when he was in high school. And, um, he had a shaky senior year of high school where he didn't really look like himself. Uh, doesn't take, didn't take the at-bats you see him taking on the, in the college world series and all year long, really. Uh, I think the most impressive thing is he's been from start to finish great at bats. Every time you're at the park or you turn on the TV and he just took great at-bats all year long, which is really hard to do in the SEC, um, the, the toughest league in, in the game. So, How good is Paul Skeens? Uh, again, phenomenal pitcher. Um, he's made quite a leap from even last summer when we saw him uh, at the USA Trials. Uh, yeah, obviously, his makeup is probably pretty good from what we know, you know, being a, in the Air Force. And, and uh, you know, we've got Wes there at LSU, who we've talked to quite a bit, who raves about the, the kid. So, um, really, you know, they say who's the last best college pitcher that he compares to. It's probably back into that Cole Strasburg range where, you know, these guys aren't on the board every year. That's interesting. So, you know, Wes's parting here was sort of controversial, interesting, the timing and all that. But you guys still have a rock-solid relationship with Wes where you can lean on him for, for feedback? Totally, yeah. I've talked to Wes several times over the winter just I like to talk to those coaches before the season gets going so they've got a little clearer mind on how they feel about the player. But uh, Wes has had nothing but great things to say about Paul Skeens. How good is Wyatt Langford? Um, another really good player. Uh, great track record. You know, unique to go from his freshman year where he didn't play a whole lot. And this is a guy who's transformed his body from a catcher third baseman guy in high school to a guy that can stand in center field sometimes. And and uh, so it's been fun to watch him play as well. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I mean, can he profile as a center fielder? How much center field time does he have? He hasn't played out there a ton. Um, I think time will dictate, you know, whether he's a center fielder or not, uh, as it does with most every player. You know, sometimes he's the best candidate you have in your system to play there and maybe ends up that way. But I think we'll just let time figure that one out. 
All right, how good is Jenkins? Is it Walker Jenkins? Walker Jenkins, um, uh, kid out of North Carolina. Uh, that he's been on the scene for two summers now. We saw him after his sophomore year at the East Coast Pro. It was the first time I had seen him. Um, physically, he's he's very gifted and uh, phenomenal kid. We've done a lot of work on him as well. So uh, again, another guy that's going to fit up there towards the top of the draft. And Max Clark, you were in Phoenix last week for the Combine. Of these top five guys, he was the one, right, that was there in Phoenix. What stands out about Max? Yeah, Max is, um, I, I think he's obviously a gifted player, tremendous athlete. Uh, he's impressive when you talk to him just because he's so well-versed in how he's trained himself. Uh, you talk to most 18-year-olds, they have a decent plan or idea of what they've done and how they're going to get to the next level. But uh, he was an impressive conversation. We spent a lot of time with him as we have with that whole group we just mentioned. But, um, yeah, he's, he's, a, is it, he's more eccentric than, uh, than Walker Jenkins. Um, and uh, he's just a fun kid to talk to. So I think he's going to be a good player. Yeah, but that doesn't shy you away. Like the kid from New Jersey that you traded to the Reds, yeah. right, Petty? Like sure. there's some bravado there with him, and you guys took him. Yeah, it, it doesn't make or break a player. It's just who they are. And that, that's the biggest thing we want to do is once we draft a player, we know exactly what we're turning over to player development. Whether he's eccentric or introvert or uh, coachable or not, they just need to know that. It's really important in our process that once we get a player in our system, our coaches and coordinators and directors all know how to approach the player. That's, that's one of our, our big things. Who are some of the other guys that are kind of in that, you know, top of the first half tier that, you know, we fixate on those top five guys, but there certainly are some other guys that are, you know, worthy of going in that 5 to 12 to 15 range. Yeah, I mean, I can't give you my list, obviously, but – I think that next, you know, even in the top rest of the first round, I think the order could go a lot of different ways. It's hard to, if I'm making a mock draft like a lot of these people have to do, really hard to get the order right because I think it's more just uh, eye of the beholder. Everyone has different things they're hanging on to or, you know, may have seen better performances than other players. So I think the whole first round is super deep, but I also think it could go in a lot of different directions as far as how it goes or pick to pick. I mean, could one of those directions be that you cut a deal at pick five to save some money to then use that money? Is it what, pick 34 or 49? You, you go into it with every opportunity wide open, which is why we don't know what the teams ahead of us are going to do either. Um, they could do the very same thing as far as how they spend their money. So all bets are on the table when it comes to how we proceed. But uh, at the end of the day, you want to take the player you really believe in and, and want to draft uh, more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, not often you're picking this high, right? I mean, you never want to be picking this high, but in your guys' case, like, how fortunate were you guys? Where were you supposed to pick, remind us? Then you climb up for the first time in the lottery. Yeah, so we're the first team in recent history that didn't have to endure an awful season to pick in the top five at the big league level. So that feels great. We were supposed to pick 13, so we moved from 13 to 5. So the fact that we're in the conversation with the players you talked about and the rest of the group that we really like, uh, is a real blessing for us. So we're just excited to be there, really. Yeah, I mean, I would think, like, what an unbelievable gift. Like, of all years, right, we talk about maybe this being the best draft class at the top since 2011, so 12 years. And for you guys to jump up eight spots, like, that's off the charts. Yeah, the, lo- the lottery was, that was a wild night for me personally. I feel like I was on a game show because uh, I got to, like, go from the back row to the front row, and I'm trading spots with Mike Sweeney, who was one of my childhood idols, and uh, the whole night was surreal. Uh, the night after that, we, got, we had dinner with the group that was there at the winter meetings, and it was awesome. It, I wanted the draft to be the next day because we were just we were so pumped. 
So give us a little bit more on what your draft allotment is, fourth highest pool money, and how exactly, like, I still think a lot of listeners and viewers are still confused by the whole process. Like, I think at times I'm confused, yeah. right? So how that works if you wanted to, like, use your money in different ways. Yeah, so uh, essentially each pick in the first 10 rounds has a dollar amount assigned by the league uh, for what the, the draft slot is supposed to be. So you can go at that number, you can go below it, you can go over it, but when you sum up all those signs in the first 10 rounds, that number has to equal your total pool allowment. So you'll see teams go over on a pick and then go under. Uh, so the more you go over, the way you got, the more times you have to find ways to get that money back that you went over on a certain player. So there's a lot of math involved, uh, a lot of mental gymnastics we have to, to go through, uh, which makes it exciting in the room. Would you be comfortable taking a high school pitcher at pick five? Yeah, I, th- I think if you, feel, if you believe in the pitcher um, and what he's going to be, there's just you know there's so many risks to high school pitchers, but um, I think the the right one, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I would feel good about it. I mean, you've been all over the place. I mean, since you've run the draft, you've gone high school shortstop, right, Royce? You've gone high school pitcher with Petty, but certainly a lot of college bats as well. Yeah, so I we we're open to anything. There's not like a demographic we're just going to absolutely avoid. I think you need to be exploring every avenue you can and and. And then you just come out of the, the room with the guy you believed in the most. That's really the goal. You know, so all the mocks have you taking some sort of college bat. Why do you think that is? You'd have to ask those people. I mean, to your point, we've taken a high school pitcher. We've taken other players from different parts of the draft. So I, I really think it's important to focus on players where that demographic of that, that particular year is strong. And our group looks at it as every draft is a little different. It has different gifts and strengths and weaknesses um i think that like the catching in this draft is pretty thin the college left-handed board is not as long as it usually is so not saying we won't take one of those anyway but you just have to know where the strength is in the draft and really try to attack that that's really been our approach so some years it's a college bat and you know when we took we took chase petty it was we thought he was the best guy on the board so um there's a big difference between picking five and one and we picked in the 20s and the teens you're really at the mercy of what's left on the board and, and who do you really believe in at that point. So when do things ramp up meeting-wise? Like, is it, like, right after the 4th of July? Like, how many people will be in town? What's that process like? Yeah, so we, we crank up July 4th in the morning, uh, and we'll go every day uh, right up until the draft, which is on the 9th. So it's, it's, it's really five pretty jam-packed days of ranking our board, putting in an order we, we feel comfortable with, and, and then talking strategy a lot during those meetings and just try to prepare for every scenario possible. So it'll, it's always uh, the best week of the year, and what we live for as scouts. Ultimately, it's your call, though, and you know this. There can be some healthy debate. Hey, debate can be a really good thing, but like, what's that like when you guys are debating? Okay, do we take Max Clark or whoever it might be, sure. but ultimately it's your final say. Yeah, so I, I'm really proud of like uh, our entire room. We have 45 people in our draft room, and 30 years ago we had five people probably. Uh, so there's a lot of collaboration, a lot of people bringing their information. We look at players from a lot of different lenses. Um, we have a lot of different people that, that are weighing in. And at the core of it is our scouts. So we'll have about 15 of our scouts will be in town, um, mo- mainly our supervisors, a few area scouts to get a little more experience uh, being in the draft room and seeing how it goes down. Uh, so there's a lot of different reasons why people are in the room. But if there's no debate, that's when I'm the most nervous. When it's like, yeah, yeah, you like him, I like him, everyone likes him, like that feels weird to me. I want the debate, 
I want the conversations uh, because I think that helps you get to the truth and and where you should end up being on a player. So if someone's really high and someone's really low, I love that because that gives us a good place to start and have a really good dialogue and and conversation about why that player that person feels that way and why the other person doesn't. So that's that's what I love. I love the debate. I love uh, all the conversations that come out and the discussions. Uh, they're very exhausting, but I mean, it's the best. One guy that won't be in the room is Mike Radcliffe. How much, Sean, will you miss Mike? Oh, I think about him every day. Uh, it'll be weird. It's the first time in over 30 years he hasn't been in the draft room or, or stirred the pot on a conversation or, you know, uh, he's just such a, he was such a good sounding board for me and all of our scouts. So it'll, it'll be different. It'll be weird. It'll be a lot of things, but, yeah, we miss him. What else is important for people to know about this draft? I, I don't know. We're just excited. I, I think uh, we're going to try to do our best like we always do. And um, it, We've been doing it a long time, a lot of our group. It doesn't get any easier. It's really tough to, to go through this and, and, and be successful. Uh, but it's a, it's a challenge that we'll never, like, we'll never you know, overcome. It's always there. It's always difficult. But every year it's fun to meet new players and get to know them and dream about them. Uh, and get fired up about them. And our, our group's super passionate um, and are ready to be here next week and, and do it. And I get it. Like, I fix it on five. A lot of fans fix it on five or maybe 34. But, like, you take all this pride in those later-round guys. Like, I think about the Bailey Obers you've drafted, right? Josh Winder, any number of examples of later-round guys that have made it all the way up to the big leagues. Yeah, no one has ever asked me who are who we're taking in the 11th round. That hasn't happened yet. Uh, someone, people seemingly don't care about that one. But, yeah, we take a lot of pride in having a complete draft and, and really making a, a good decision every time we pick all the way through the 20th round. Cause you never know, um, especially with our player development, how much we believe in them and the things they've been able to do with the Obers and the winders uh, and the Varlins, like those guys have come, they didn't look like that when we took them. Um, and they've, those guys come a long way. And, and uh, so we got a few more of those guys coming, you know, that we just took last year that haven't made great strides. So um, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I, I think that's, it's a tip of the cap, not only to our scouts, but our player development, who do, who do a great job. Yeah, I mean, just, it has to be cool as you look at the big league roster right now and the fingerprints you had on so many of these guys getting drafted by you, by the organization, right? We can go up and down the list, whether it's an Edward Julian or Ryan Jeffers, Byron Buxton, I mean, just any number of examples. Yeah, I've never once thought about, like, like you, as you put, like, my picks, it's, I've never thought about that one time because there's so many people in our room that contribute that, for, uh, there's a different story for Jeffers and how we landed him. And, you know, you can go on down the list. Someone else contributed. Yeah, I have to make the final decision, but that's with a ton of input and feelings about the players that we get from the awesome people in our room. Always appreciate Sean's candor. I'll definitely catch up with Sean after the draft. We'll do a review of the Twins 2023 draft class. The Twins in the fall met with Gophers pitcher George Clawson. He's from Port Washington, Wisconsin. He's expected to go top four rounds, top five rounds, maybe top six, top seven, but he is going to get drafted in all likelihood on Monday. So he won't go that first day, but then rounds two through 10 are on Monday. He's expected to go on Monday. He is the top ranked locally based prospect, I guess, however you want to define it to me. He's from Port Washington, Wisconsin. So truly the top ranked local draft prospect is Easton Breifogel 
of Benilde St. Margaret's, but he's not going to get picked high enough where he'll sign. He'll end up at the University of Arizona. But if you want to count Gophers players, then George would be the guy. George Clawson, Gophers pitcher, who throws it over 100 miles per hour, had a very good run at the Combine a couple weeks ago. I caught up with George soon after the Combine. Here is Gophers pitcher George Clawson, again, expected to go in the top 10 rounds of the MLB draft. George, it's great to see you. We're no longer a year or months. I mean, to me, the countdown is days until July 9, 10, 11, the draft. Just take me through your emotions as we're just days away. Yeah, I, I don't know. So I was just in Arizona, and you, know, you kind of go through the works. You get to see a bunch of people, see a bunch of teams, talk to them. But, I mean, for me, it doesn't doesn't feel like it's, you know, that far away. It feels like, you know, I still got time to hang at home, maybe work out or something like that. But, yeah, it's two weeks away, so it kind of feels surreal right now. What are your plans that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday as the draft approaches? Kind of just hang out. I think it'll be a really good family thing. So my family will be here. My sister will come down from Minnesota. So kind of just hang out, just have a good time together and really just see what happens. Okay, so you mentioned you were in Phoenix for the Combine. Just take me through how those how those days went. I mean, both on the field and certainly, you know, some interviews with teams off the field. Yeah, it was a blast. So I got there last Monday and left uh, yesterday. But I mean, you get to see people who you played against in the season. Maybe some people know you. So, I mean, all the guys there are pretty cool. So, the Tuesday that I threw a bullpen was awesome. I mean, there's a bunch of people in stands. MLB was doing interviews everywhere. So, it just it was a really cool showcase. And then the interviews were on the club levels. Awesome talking to teams. You get to meet some pretty high, like, guys pretty high up there. It was awesome. I mean, also nerve-wracking. You say awesome, but was it also nerve-wracking? I, I don't think so. I was more excited for everything other than kind of being nervous. So maybe that was like a little cover up, but I mean, it was just a blast. What surprised you about the combine? Ooh, I would say just the amount of stuff you do. I don't know. I mean, I knew you're going to do a bunch of things, but I mean, bullpen, strength stuff, MRIs, x-rays, physicals, all that stuff. So your days are long, but they go by pretty fast. Everything check out okay, though? I mean, are you happy with how the full week went? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was a great experience. I don't think it could have gone any better, really. Yeah, I mean, you were hitting. I mean, you're known for, for the velocity, right? And the velocity stood out when you were on the mound? Yeah, felt good. Arm felt pretty good. And it was just it was just fun time. So, I mean, what's your sense? I mean, do you have a sense on how draft weekend will go, how it will unfold? Do you have any idea? Not really. I mean... I, that's a conversation I can have with some people, but I mean, for me personally, just kind of going with it, just going day by day, not trying to think too much about it, but, you know, see what happens and unfolds in those three days. Do you have a sense whatsoever, just based on dialogue with teams of the teams that really have interest in you? Um, We, no, we didn't really talk about like where we're going and stuff, but I mean, high praises, getting me out there. They just want me to pitch and I just want to, I just want to keep playing, so I'm on board with all of it. How great was this past year for you individually? I know team-wise you guys didn't, you know, achieve what you wanted to achieve, didn't make it to the Big Ten tournament and, you know, some other things. But you individually, after such a long process, the injury, the surgery and all that, how great was this past year for you? Yeah, I'd say even though there are some rough patches, some bumps in the road, compared to when I was coming back, 
and that summer and then the fall and the spring, I was really able to move, move that needle, keep progressing in my career. So I think, you know, more innings, more playing in my future. I think that's only going to like get me higher where I need to be. So I think it's, it was a pretty good learning step. Was the surgery, was that a talking point with, with a lot of the teams when you met with those teams in those suites club level during um, the combine? Did they ask you a lot about the surgery? Not really a little bit. They're more interested in like <laughs> the the rehab journey. Like how was it? What'd you do? What'd you learn? But I mean, the surgery part was more for like the medical guys, but they just want to know how I handled it. Well, how did you answer that question? How have you handled it? I mean, I would say the worst part about it was the time between my turret and my surgery. Cause I mean, you're just dead in the water. You couldn't really do anything. So after the surgery, it was kind of head down. Let's go rehab every day. Let's lift every day, condition, eat right. And it was just, I think I took, I took care of it. It was a good process to learn how to be responsible, be on time with things. So I think it was a great time for me too. I mean, is the beauty of, of where that surgery is now, Tommy John, that, that like a lot of pitchers come back and they're better than they were before. Like it's a very common surgery now for pitchers. Yeah. All you have to do is worry about getting your rehab done. They can cover all the operation parts all on you after that. So take me through. So when did you undergo surgery? Take me through the time period. And then you came back, right? You were, you were lights out. Was it last fall then into this past college season? But was the Tommy John, like, take me through the timeline of everything. Yeah. So my freshman year, it was, it was about a week before our season. So it was 2021. Uh, we were throwing inner squads, threw a pitch, didn't feel good, kept throwing, and it just kept going downhill. So I tore it in uh, February of uh, 2021, got my surgery of March, and then 11 months go by. So it'll be February of 2022 was the first game I pitched in. And I guess, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, never been through anything like it. So getting that fuel back after coming out from Tommy John, something that doesn't happen right away. I didn't really comprehend that. So that season was a bit rough, but I had a bunch of people saying, hey, like, stick with it. Happens to everybody. Go play in the summer. Have fun. Do your thing. So that's what kind of happened. So I threw every three or four days in the summer. It was a blast. And I lived 12 minutes away from the field, too. So it was great. And then carried that on to the fall. And then the spring was a little bit of a rough start, but after a couple uh, outings to build off of, I got that ball around again. Your time with the Gophers, how does that set you up to be a professional? I think it sets me up pretty well. Um, I would say a big part of, I guess, this next step is kind of taking care of yourself, learning how to deal with adversity, learning how to deal with the hurdles that it throws at you, because you can... You can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't know how to face maybe an injury or face an obstacle in the way, it kind of shuts you down. So I think going through TJ, going through COVID, going through all this, these bumps and struggles really, I think, put me in a good spot to continue. What is your selling point? So when teams say, okay, George, why should we draft you? What's your response to these teams? Ooh, that's a good one. I... I think I told them, because that was one of the questions they gave me at the Combine, but if I were to respond to that, I would say, I mean, just get me out there, give me more innings, like, 
give me more experience and I will hold up my end of what you guys want me to be. Now, you know, that's a lot of people are saying with that velo, okay, George is going to, you know, four years, five years from now, we look at him as a reliever. But in your mind, are you all about being a starting pitcher? I want to start. I That's what I want to do. That's what I think I can do. But the team part of me says, like, hey, if, if they want me to relieve or they see me in this position, I'll do that for them. But personally, right now, I want to start as long as I can. Are there any people that you lean on? Maybe it's some, you know, former gophers or, you know, some people in your circle that have been through this process that you can lean on for advice? <clears throat> um, A little bit. Um. I can I can talk to some teammates that know other people that went through it. I can talk to my coaches because some of them went through it and they know they know everything about this whole process. But I mean, I'm just kind of going through it. I'm just taking it day by day, just taking it all in. And I mean, it's it's been exciting. It's been a blast. And I mean, we still got still got ways to go. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you still have college eligibility? But is the plan, if all goes well, that that you will sign, you'll go pro, you'll bypass your remaining college eligibility. Yep, I have uh, I have two years left because of my surgery, but definitely going back or at least taking classes to finish out that degree is something that I personally want to do, and also hold that end of my promise that I do it for my mom. So I got two two reasons to do it, and I'm definitely going to finish it. But the plan is, yeah, you'll finish it. But the plan is. You'll get drafted here July 9th, 10th, or 11th, and the plan is to sign? Yep. What's your degree going to be in? Uh, agricultural business. Okay, so what's the plan after baseball then? We'll see what happens. I mean, I haven't thought that far ahead, but I definitely – I know some people. Maybe I can ask them, you know, point me in the right direction, but honestly, just take it day by day and see how long I can play. This might be a foolish question, George, when you throw it, you know, triple digits. But what is your best pitch? Uh, I mean, well, since you said that, I mean, the fastball is lively. It's explosive. But I've been working on my secondaries a lot in the summer. I really like my curveball. I think it's become one of my better pitches. And the feel for it just continues to get better and better. So I'd put it really close up there at the fastball. But I guess bottom line is, when you throw as fast as you throw, George, and when you can locate your fastball, is there a better pitch than a located fastball? No, not really. Because you can throw one up, and it might look like a cookie for the hitter, and it just rides up, and they miss it by a foot. So, I mean, that's just – that's I guess the luck you're throwing that hard. So, what was the progression in terms of ELO? Like, what were you throwing – as a ninth grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, your senior year of high school, then transition into college. Like, how did you progress velo-wise? Yeah, so I didn't I didn't really start pitching until my summer going into my junior year of high school. And then, I mean, I would, if you know, like the iron mic machine, I used to throw like that. So maybe like the first inning, I'd hit an 89, and then the next inning, it would be mid-80s. So I changed my arm action a little bit. And that's when I saw that huge velo jump my summer going into my senior year of high school. So I think I maxed out at 94 in high school and then would sit maybe one to three. So, I mean, that was that was cool. I mean, just a little change like that. Arm action was great. And then when I got to school, 
right before it all happened, I topped out at 96 at Minnesota, which felt awesome. It was really cool. And then, I mean, honestly, I just contribute to uh, keep going up with that. It was just strength, conditioning, and just sticking with the rehab just got me up to where I am now. I mean, is that one selling point that you have for teams that, yes, you've had the surgery, but the surgery is out of the way. A lot of pitchers undergo the surgery, plus less wear and tear. You just haven't thrown a lot of innings going back a number of years. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I think is not said, but something that is that teams maybe know, like, hey, this kid only has 70 innings on his new arm, but only had 100 on his old one. So, I mean, I guess nobody can really teach velocity and, and all that stuff, but everybody can teach pitching, and that's what I'm looking really excited to in these next couple weeks. So how much of a benefit is it to be from a Northern state? So high school in Wisconsin, college at Minnesota. So, you know, again, not as much wear and tear, not as much, maybe club baseball going back to high school. And, you know, I just, I think about some of these kids from the South. Yes, they've played a lot of games, but you think about, you know, from a pitching standpoint, a lot of those kids have thrown so many innings. Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it's a little bit of an advantage, but they also have the advantage, too, that they've been out there all year round. They're getting more experience, more feel. They're just maybe a couple steps ahead. But, I mean, if all goes well, I'll be in a warm spot all year round, so I'll be in the same boat as them. How you feeling right now? Like, okay, so you get drafted July 9, 10, or 11, okay, and then you sign soon after. Would you like to still pitch this summer for your for your new team? Absolutely. I mean, if if all goes well and they want me to throw, I will, I'm looking forward to it. But if they have other plans for me, I mean, I can't really – I don't think I have a say in that, but I would love to play more this summer. George, what else is important for us to know as we tell your pre-draft story? No, I think, I think we cover a pretty good chunk here. Well, I mean, where do you need to improve? So, you know – Regardless of where you end up, the competition is going to ramp up. The batters you face are going to be more advanced than the batters you faced here, you know, this last year in college, whether it was non-conference or or the Big Ten. So where do you need to get better making the transition to professional baseball? I think I I just need to get out there more. I think I need to play more. I need to pitch more. Pretty much just play the game more than I have in the past couple of years, and that's obviously something that can be easily accomplished because I mean you're playing every day so I think just give me out there more pitching more getting that experience in the field is only gonna progress me higher did you grow up a Brewers fan yep okay so I mean have you thought about the possibility of, of the home state Brewers maybe grabbing you that would be awesome I would love that I think my parents would love that my family would love that so I mean that that would be sick but who knows Got it. George, if there's nothing else for us to touch on, this was a fun back and forth, and I'll certainly reach out to you after everything, you know, takes place, whether it's July 9, 10, or 11. But we know you're going to get drafted. Hopefully you can go as high as possible. Absolutely. I appreciate that. I mean, do you have a sense whatsoever, George, of, okay, like I can go top five rounds or it's going to be more like the seventh or eighth? I mean, is there anything in your mind how you're processing all that? Not really. I'm just kind of – I just know it's going to happen maybe one of those three days if all goes well, and I'm excited for that. Perfect. George, thank you so much, and I'll certainly be in touch, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. 
This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. George has a bright future ahead of him. I do wonder if in the end, is he more a reliever than a starter? But with that fastball, with that slider, but that fastball for sure at 101, 102 miles per hour, George has a very bright future. We wrap up the baseball chatter here on Stoop Podcast episode 420. I was over at CHS Field, as I mentioned the other day, caught up with Jose Miranda, who wasn't going to get the call back up with the Twins, but then Royce Lewis got hurt. He's the only non-twin infielder on the 40-man roster so it was the logical move infielder gets hurt Royce Lewis gets hurt oblique injury probably going to be longer than the 10 days so the move was hey let's bring back Jose Miranda now Jose much better in June than he was in May that's where I began my conversation with Jose Miranda I mean just putting the word Putting the work every day, you know, it's 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 a grind. Obviously, um, you know, it's been some good couple weeks. Expound on the adjustments, specifically. What adjustments did you make? Oh, I mean, just you know, trying to get my my pitches at the plate, um, trying to feel good with like my load, you know, getting being on time with the pitches, all that type of stuff. Was it frustrating the struggle in May? How frustrating was it? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, at any time you're you're not doing the way you want to, it's a, it's a frustrating. But you know, it's part of the game. I understood it, and I just you know kept working hard, and I'm gonna keep working hard. What's it like navigating the roller coaster of you know you can succeed at the MLB level, but you've been down here at AAA now for a long stretch here? Yeah. I mean, it's just it's uh it's part of the game, you know. Things like this are gonna happen. Um, I'm I'm not the first one or the, or the last one, you know. And you know, the main thing is, you know, stay positive and keep working hard. I mean, how challenging is that, though? It is, it is, it is challenging because obviously we all want to be in the big leagues. Um, and obviously, I was there for pretty much the whole year last year. I started this year over there, but you know, there's some things that you know they they get out of your control, and and it, you know, it, it's part of it. And just keep playing here, you know, staying positive and. And try, you know, to get an, an, another shot. I mean, you have a fantastic attitude. I would look at it and say, "Look at that Twins offense. They can't score any runs. I know I could help that offense." No, I mean, you, you can't think that way because um, obviously this game is pretty hard. And you know, I've seen, you know, I've, I've seen their games. I've seen the the, you know, the pitches they face, and it, it's a hard game. So whenever whenever they're going through a soft stretch, you know, my thing seeing it from here is just I'm hoping they can figure it out and, and, and do the thing, and you know, and start winning again. It's an important stretch for Jose. He was so good. I mean, he carried the offense for different parts of the 2022 season. But then you think about Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis. Where exactly in the future does Jose Miranda fit? So that just tells you how important the next few weeks are. Hopefully he can show the Twins something, stick up here, and have a very productive rest of the 2023 season. All right, let's transition to basketball. Ryan Saunders, Wyzetta High School, former Gopher, former Wolves head coach, former Wolves assistant coach. He just won an NBA championship as an assistant coach with the Denver Nuggets. We discussed that. Here is my conversation with Ryan Saunders. Ryan, congratulations. When I say Ryan Saunders, NBA champion, how does that sound to you? Uh, it sounds great. Uh, only been hearing it for about a week here. 
but it's it's a feeling I, I I know is never going to get old. What was last week like? Take me back to that moment when you knew, okay, game five is over. Take me yeah. back to the final horn sounding. You guys are NBA champions. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really something that was surreal in that moment, especially the fact that we, you know, we weren't up 30 the whole game. You know, it really came down to the last 30 seconds there. And it was one of those grinded out, um, you know, hard-nosed wins that, you know, we, we showed that we could win in a lot of different ways this year, um, which I think really just proves, you know, you know, how we are the NBA champions, best team in the league. And uh, with that, you know, it's buzzer sounds and you're able to feel all those emotions quick and, and you, you know, look to your, your left and right and you see the people who have gone through so much to get to, you know, the point of, you know, reaching the mountaintop, you know, especially our veterans, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, Ish Smith, you know, they're very emotional in those moments. You know, I was emotional, coach was emotional, everybody's emotional because um, we all have our different paths, um, but collectively everybody, you know, sacrificed, everybody worked together and, uh, you know, it's just been a lot of fun this last week and, and uh, you know, it will continue to be fun here for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think about what the parade on Thursday, then what yeah. they transitioned into a party in Vegas soon after. Yeah, it did, it did, um, it did. So it was, uh, it was quite the few days there. Um, you know, I was glad to get home on Friday and be around, uh, be around my wife and kids for uh, Father's Day then. Um, so it's just been special to spend it with family, um, family, but also spend it with these guys, um, just our players, our coaches, our staff. Uh, I've never been a part of a group that sacrifices more for one another and for the one another and for the good of the team and uh it's just been so special did you make it all night thursday or did you hit the sack pretty early oh i hit the sack early i was i was the first one out um along with a few other other folks um yeah no nah, i i was i was uh didn't make it all night and, uh, but you know i know guys had a great time i had a great time you know when when i was out um but it, it was a blast I think about all the losses, right? I mean, everybody has a lot of losses they can point to, but you've experienced a lot of losing over the years. Mm -hmm. Does that just make up, though, like what you just experienced? Just, you know, you go through all those losses to get yeah. to this point? Yeah, you know, and, and I think it puts a, a different perspective on some of those losing years, too. You know, and I, I, don't, look at, I don't look at them as, you know, now um, as an NBA champion, as, you know, losing, you know, years, a lot of losses. I don't look at them as things that piled up. I look at them as you know, things that I was able to learn from, but then also things that I, I'm able to look back on and think about, you know, wow, this, how maybe close or far away we were in those moments um, in, in a sense of, you know, I see what players, you know, were able to sacrifice here in Denver to work towards a championship and realize, you know, in some of those moments, we, we didn't necessarily, you know, do the best job of that as a group. And uh, so it's learning experiences you can look back on, but then you can also see, you know, hey, maybe this was something we were more on, on, on the right path towards, you know, not necessarily saying an NBA championship in those moments, but but saying that we were on the path towards, you know, something great. And we had some of those those types of guys. Um, so, you know, I don't look at them as losses. I, I look at them as, as learning experiences. And I'm just glad they they've uh, really helped shape me over the years. It's not like you had to take this job last summer, give or take about a year ago. But is this yeah. sort of what you pictured? Hey, at least I knew if I go to Denver, I know Coach Malone real well. I know Coach Adelman. I know Calvin Booth. Yeah. It would be a great opportunity. Plus, hey, the team should be pretty good. And, hey, lo and behold, now you're a champion. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the reasons I, um, you know, I didn't take I, – I took a year and a half off, basically. You know, I didn't – I had opportunities, uh, you know, after I, I got let go in Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I opted to spend time with my family. Um, I opted to wait for, you know, what I felt in, in my heart, you know, was a, 
the right opportunity for me. And then last summer, you know, around this time, you know, about a year ago, uh, you know, I, I got, you know, calls from these guys here and, uh, you know, we, we started communicating and, you know, I talked to my wife and, and we just said, wow, this is, this sounds like a really good opportunity. And then you get around the team, you, you knew the guys, the team was good, but then you get around the players and then you start really getting excited. You're like, okay, this could be something pretty special. And then to do it in, in my first year here, um, you know, I'm just super grateful that uh, this was the uh, opportunity that, that uh, God had laid out for me. I'll leave you with this. I'm assuming your phone has been blowing up for the last seven mm-hmm. to 10 days. Anybody surprise you that has reached out? Um, nah, I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of people, you know, that I've, I've one worked with in the past, um, players, you know, a lot of the Timberwolves players, um, you know, reached out, which was, which was fun. Um, in those texts, nobody said that their, their run was, was better than ours though. So I had to hear that through a podcast, uh, which I, uh, you know, wholeheartedly disagree with. Um, but, uh, but guys, uh, guys did, uh, did reach out to me wishing congratulations and, uh, you know, it, it feels good. I mean, you and Cat are so tight. I mean, can you give him some good natured ribbing for those comments? Oh, uh, when I, when I see, when I see him, he's going to get it when I see him. Cause, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't say that, you know, anybody would agree with that one, but, uh, Hey, you know, everybody can be proud of their accomplishments. Uh, I'm very proud. I know we're very proud as a Denver or Denver Nuggets organization. Um, to be uh, 2023 NBA champions. Funny comments about Cat. There's no doubt about that. I do know that Zeke Naji of the Denver Nuggets from Hopkins High School plans on bringing the NBA championship trophy back here when he can. He'll be hosting a camp, a basketball camp at Hopkins High School, August 7th through 9th. Maybe more realistic, though, is after school starts sometime in September before Zeke reports for training camp, but I do know the plan is for Zeke Naji to get the NBA championship trophy here to Minnesota, specifically to Hopkins High School. All right, we continue the basketball dialogue. New Gophers forward from Lithuania. I Zoomed with him from Lithuania. Well, he was in Lithuania. I was in my living room, actually my kitchen. Kristupas Kinas. Kristupas Kinas. I hope I'm saying that name right. He'll say his name here at the beginning of this back and forth. He will join the Gophers officially sometime in either late July or early August. It's just a process to get the visa to come full-time here to Minnesota. But he visited Minnesota, visited Loyola Marymount as well. A couple weeks ago, fell in love with Minnesota, gave Ben Johnson his commitment. Here is my back and forth with the new Gophers forward from Lithuania, Kristupas Kinas. Kristupas. Now, yeah. is my understanding correct that the Gophers yeah, coaches yeah. call you Chris? Do they just yeah. call you Chris? Yeah, yeah. Take yeah. me through why, Chris. I'll call you Chris if that's okay. Take yeah. me through why you want to be a Minnesota Gopher. I don't know. Everything about the program was really nice. I liked everything. The team is very strong, and I think I can get a lot better there. So it was the best program for me. So I chose to be a team member. Describe the kind of player you are. How will you help the Gophers? I think um, all around player. I can do a lot of things, defend. I'm getting better at shooting trees. I have a good mechanics. Just need to put a lot of work in and I will have a great shot. Uh, I can do. A lot, like 
I can help defend being the help side. I will be a good defender for the team. And I think the team needs a good defense to win tough games. So I think I can help them with that. How old are you? How tall are you? How much do you weigh? So I'm 19 years old and my height is 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I don't know exactly. Uh, it's pretty hard for me to speak in those measurements because in Lithuania we are talking in centimeters and there is difference. So I weigh 90 kilograms, so it's about 200 pounds. I gain a lot of weight throughout the season, so that's good. Do you need to gain even more strength, more weight as you get ready for the Big Ten grind? I think yes, but we will check with the strength coach in the team. We have some kind of technologies there. They will check it, yeah. When will you arrive here full-time in Minnesota? As soon as get uh, as soon as I get my visa, so just you have to get done with that, and I will go there. Do you know how long that process takes? I have to get my that I finished my school certificate, so they will uh, check all my exams and they will give me a certificate. After that, I will give it to school and they will give me all the stuff for me to get a visa. Is your hope that you're here in a few weeks or at least before the summer is over to start to get to know your new teammates and get some workouts in? My plan is to arrive there about August 1st, maybe even earlier. I want to come as quick as possible to get uh, around my whole team. The guys are amazing there, so I wish to come there as quick as possible. So you visited here last week. Take me through that visit. It was the best time. So all the coaching staff, I met all the all the coaches, all the staff, every people, every single person in the staff is amazing. So all went to all the practice facilities, arena. Arena is huge. Like it would be one of the biggest arenas in Lithuania. So. Everything was real nice. I liked everything. So thanks for them for bringing it out. Christopas, your English is so good. When did you learn English? It's a different story that everybody thinks, but I learned how to write in school. But I think like 99% of my talking is from YouTube. Just watching a lot of videos, movies and all that stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. do you feel comfortable? I mean, you're doing this interview. I mean, do you feel overall very comfortable transitioning here to America and speaking yeah. English and, and living the American life? Yeah, I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's real nice. So how did Minnesota start recruiting you? Take me through that story, how Minnesota discovered you. I think they talked with my agent but coach ben, ben johnson texted me i was like wow that's a big school for me to go so we started texting and i saw that this coach is amazing and i wanted to come visit just talk with coaches and when i came there i 
I saw that Ben Johnson is a coach of it and he's a man of his word. He doesn't lie. A lot of basketball coaches in, in universities tend to lie a lot. Like, I would give you that many minutes, that many shots. He didn't promise me anything. And he doesn't promise for all his uh, players. So, with a lot of work, I know that I can play. And I know that I can help the team win. What players did you have a chance to meet last week? Have you formed a friendship with some of the players already? I met all of them. Like the the most time I spent with, with Isaiah, he's a real nice guy. He's from Germany too, so European European connection. Very nice. What other schools were recruiting you? I talked with a lot of schools, so I talked with a lot of school throughout the season, but I visited LMU and Minnesota that just too because a lot of coaches were telling me to come and all that stuff, but they just they were just talking but not doing anything. So I liked that Minnesota were talking and doing things too. That that was really big thing why I chose them. LMU is that Loyola Marymount? Yeah. Got it. So the one out in California, there's all sorts yeah. of Loyolas, but Loyola Marymount in California. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you visited there. Was that right before your Minnesota visit? After. Got it. Okay. So what made you then decide after you visit Minnesota, then you visit Loyola Marymount, but then you decide on Minnesota. So how hard of a decision was that? Both schools are amazing, but like everything in Minnesota is on another level. Like. Uh, Loyola is private school. Everything's smaller. Everything was really nice there. Coaching staff, all of that, it was really good. But the conference here is way better. And I think I'm ready to play here. We played with guys uh, when I was visiting. And I like that. And I saw that I can play here. I, I can, I think I can be a very good player for the team and but LMU was a very good university thanks for them to bring me out but I think Minnesota will be better for me so what team did you play for this past year and that league that you played in Chris how does that compare do you think to the Big Ten I played for Neptunas Gleipada, the second team. Uh, we played in the second uh, second league in Lithuania. The only thing I think that will compare to Big Ten, it's uh, the strength of players. All the players there are slow because they're old. They have jobs and all that stuff. So, But Big Ten is a huge difference. But I think I'm ready. What else stood out about your visit here? Did you have a chance to visit beyond campus? Did you get to check out the lakes or did you go to Ben Johnson's house? Uh, we went all around the city. I like like all the city is so clean. Maybe it's even cleaner than Lithuania, but 
we went to Los Angeles all around the city and Minnesota and it's a huge difference. Like everything here is new. It's very nice here. I like it. When did you start playing basketball? Take me back to your story of when you started to play basketball there in Lithuania. Uh, so I started playing basketball when I was five years old, maybe even earlier, but my first practice was when I was five. My dad took me there and right after that, I didn't think about any other sport, just all my vision was on basketball. Are there any players you look up to, maybe some players that, that are from Lithuania? From Lithuania? Mendugas Kuzminskas, he played in, in NBA for New York Knicks. From NBA, I like Kevin Durant. He's, he's a beast. So I think with hard work, I can make it to NBA too. Where do you need to get better, though? As you think about that dream of playing professionally, yeah. where do you need to improve as a player? I need to be more comfortable with my uh, dribbling and my shooting percent all the mechanics are there just need to get a lot of reps in and i can i know i can do that in minnesota because we have a lot of a lot of staff that will help me with that that was a problem in lithuania because we didn't we didn't have like a lot of practice facilities for me to go and shoot Uh, i didn't have anyone for me to rebound the only person was one coach that he could rebound but he didn't have time so my girlfriend was rebounding for me for like for the last three years so thanks for 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 her but yeah so i think i need to improve my dribbling my shooting a lot all around but i think i'm getting better better every day will your girlfriend stay there in lithuania or will she be able to come here to minnesota I think she will come with me in Minnesota and and she will stay as long as like all visa stuff and all that stuff. So just overall, Christopas, just how excited are you right now? Can't wait to get here. All the staff, like everything here is amazing. And I'm counting not days, not hours, but minutes to get there. Kristupas, what else is important for us to know as we tell your story of coming here to Minnesota? What else is important for us to know? The person and not person, two persons that is the most important for me are my family. That I want to thank them for bringing me to this world and just pushing me every day to get better and thank for them. and. Just tell everyone a message that I'm coming for them. So we will get spelled for Minnesota. Any of your teammates also coming over to play college basketball? Or did you play against any players that will be over here playing college basketball next season? Uh, from national team, yeah. Uh, Paulus Murauskas, Mateus Krivas coming to Arizona. Uh, Kaius Kublitskas coming to Florida Gators. So... There's a lot of Lithuanian players coming to to states. They must be pretty good players if they're going to Arizona and Florida. Yeah, yeah. Are they as good as you? Yeah, yeah. We are good. Very good. 
Chris Dufas, thank you for doing this. I know the time difference and all that. So it was a challenge to coordinate a time that worked, yeah. you know, for me and for you. So all yeah. the best getting that that visa. Hopefully we see you before August 1st. But if it's in August, we'll meet you. Heck, you'll have a chance to visit the Minnesota State Fair in late August. Okay. Okay. The Gophers are now full. So there's still some good players in the portal, but the Gophers will not be landing any of those guys. Although, heck, rosters are always fluid, right? Something could happen. But as of this second, the Gophers are full for the 2023-2024 season. We wrap up this edition of the Scoop Podcast. My interview the other day with Wyatt Gilmore, Rogers High School, the top-ranked, subjective, but the top-ranked Minnesota-based high school football recruit. Hey, the Gophers wanted him badly. So did Miami. So did Oregon. So did Kansas State. So did many others. The defensive lineman, though, gave his pledge to the University of Oklahoma. He'll be an Oklahoma Sooner. He made that news official late last week. I spoke with Wyatt soon thereafter on why he wants to be an Oklahoma Sooner. Wyatt, I suppose the question would be, why not Oklahoma? What is so appealing about Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, Coach Venables, his vision for the program is just, it's so clear, and I just know they're going to win there and be successful. Take me through your official visit. So you went to Oklahoma how many weeks ago? Yeah, I think I think two weekends ago. So my first official visit was at Miami, and then second was Minnesota, and then I was supposed to go to Kansas State during the week, but I canceled that. And then Oklahoma, and I was supposed to do Oregon last weekend, but I just didn't want to do it okay so you knew because that's what i was alluding to that i thought you actually went to oregon but you canceled oregon because you knew after that oklahoma visit hey signed sealed delivered that's where i want to go yeah so during the visit like going into it i thought this could be it i might i might want to commit this weekend and i and i just did it i just did it you know did you think you wanted to be in oklahoma sooner heading into the visit or was it like the visit that absolutely sold you going in the visit there's definitely thoughts about like if I was going to do it or not, and then the visit, they just sealed the deal. You know, it was awesome. So take me through, when did they first start recruiting you? How has that relationship evolved? Yeah, so I think they started recruiting me in, like, March, I want to say, and then just, this. that was my third time going down on my official visit. I went to a junior day, which was a spring practice, I think, and then uh, the spring game was pretty fun, and then the official visit. So what's it been like the last 24 hours since you made the announcement? Yeah. So as soon as I posted it, I just put my phone on Do Not Disturb just because I knew there's just going to be so many notifications. And every once in a while, I would just check it because right after I posted it, I worked out just because I just didn't want to think about it. And yeah, it's been it's been crazy. So how does Oklahoma envision using you? What did they sell you on in terms of how you'll be used on the field? What did they tell you? Yeah. So they want me as like a true edge position. And their defense is really appealing because they have a really like attack defense and a really aggressive defense and that's something I definitely want to be a part of. So what do you think about the transition? So they're making the transition. Will they fully be in the SEC once you get down there? Yeah, so my first game will be against Alabama in the SEC, so that's pretty cool. Wow. And you think about the transition too with Lincoln Riley leaving right going to USC, Coach Venables coming in, but you feel comfortable with Coach Venables. I like I said, I just totally believe in his vision. I know they're gonna be successful there and I want to be a part of it. Can you just put into words how cool it is? I mean not like a lot of kids from the Twin Cities end up at a big-time school. Like when I think like Blue Bloods of college football, I would absolutely include Oklahoma in that mix. I mean, it's awesome. I'm definitely blessed to be in the position that I'm in, and I just want to praise God for everything that he's given me. And I know for a fact without him, I would not be where I am right now. 
How much of a sigh of relief do you have right now that I'm sure at times the recruiting process was great, but I imagine at times it was also really grueling. Yeah, it it was it was really fun, but there are definitely some parts that were just like super, I mean, annoying almost because it's like I'd be getting so many texts from just coaches and reporters, and it's just like, especially during school, it was it was hard. But yeah, it was it was fun. Has anybody reached out to you in the last 24 hours or since you made the announcement that has surprised you? I'm sure you've heard from a lot of people that, you know, you figured to hear from, but anybody surprised you that reached out to you? No. No. What's been the reception? What do you mean? Well, I mean, the people that have reached out to you, is it all just well wishes? I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd pretty much say it's well wishes. There's been a couple of schools, though, that are still, like, still on me, trying to get me. Okay, well, who are those schools? I don't really want to talk about those schools. <laughs> but, I mean, that doesn't matter. I mean, you are locked in. You know you're going to be in Oklahoma sooner. I'm a sooner, 100%. What stands out about the campus down there? I mean, yeah, we'll focus on the football field, but you need to live a life off the football field. What will that be like for you? I mean, the campus down there, the campus is pretty cool. Like, it's, it really has, like, a college feel to it, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, just where you'll live and the classes you'll take and everything, just everything checks every box that you were looking at? Yeah, and, like, when it came down to my last couple of schools, I really could not find a single thing wrong with any of them. It's like every single one of them checked the boxes. It's just, like, what really felt right. Yeah, I mean, like, you know this. A lot of people here are saying, why didn't he pick Minnesota? But you're saying, hey, like, I had so many good options. I could have gone to Minnesota, but, hey, Oklahoma, just, you know, maybe you wanted to leave town. Yeah, I just, I think it was the best fit for me. How hard was it to tell the Gophers no? It was really hard because I've developed such a good relationship with all the coaches there, but it, it, it's just something that had to be done. Yeah, I mean, because you know this too. I mean, there's a spotlight on all these 2024 recruits that have committed to Minnesota. So were a lot of those kids hitting you up pretty regularly saying, hey, Wyatt, come join us? Yeah, I, I was pretty close with a lot of the commits there. I mean, it, it does suck just to know that I'm not going to be able to play with them, but it's just it's what's best for me. What else stands out about Oklahoma? I mean, the relationships that I have there with the coaches, it's just like it's – those coaches are amazing, and I could tell right from the get-go how like important I was to them and how much time they invested in recruiting me. It's just it was a no-brainer. I mean, have you thought about the history of Oklahoma football going back to Barry Switzer, but then like more modern times like Adrian Peterson, C.D. Lamb? Like the list is like it's so long of like stud Oklahoma players. Yeah, they can produce, and that's one of the big things about that school. Is like my goal is to go to the NFL and succeed there, and they have a long list of people who've already done that. So. They're going to use you at edge, you said. So what do you need to do this next year in terms of getting ready for, for what will be the SEC? I mean, I don't know if I really have to put on that much weight, but I definitely got to develop my pass rush a lot more because in Minnesota we don't, we don't really do that that much. So, I mean, are you confident that you'll be able to develop that and then once you get down there you'll be able to even, you know, grow that much more? Yeah, I'm confident. And, and like, so I want to be an early enrollee, so go, I'm going to go there during January, I believe. So – that, those extra couple of months that I'm going to be getting, I think I'll be ready. Have you heard from other Oklahoma commits? Are you building a rapport with those guys? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are there some names that we should know or, you know, maybe if we go to 24-7 or whatever website, yeah. are there some names that you can throw out there? I mean, James Nesta, I was with him at Miami, so we're pretty close. I think we're probably going to end up being roommates there. And then their quarterback, Michael Hawkins. What else is important to know about your commitment to Oklahoma? I mean, that I'm just 100% all in and I'm going to do whatever I can to get the rest of the guys in the boat to join us. So, again, so you just, you knew. Why did you cancel the Kansas State visit then before, because that was before the Oklahoma visit? Yeah. Like, you were that much in on, hey, I just want to get down to Norman, and 
I can see myself sooner, and so no reason to go to Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, yeah, one of the big things is, like, these visits get tiring. Like, they get so exhausting, and it's like, so if I would have went Minnesota, and the next day I would have had to flown to Kansas, and then I would have had, like, a one-day break to go to Oklahoma, and I did not want to show up in Oklahoma just cranky and tired after just back-to-back-to-back visits. Take me back to that moment when you told Coach Vanderbilt. I don't know if it was yesterday or sometime before, and you just publicly announced it yesterday, but take me back to that moment when you told Coach Vanderbilt, hey, I want to be a Sooner. Yeah, so I was actually in uh, in the apartments with a player and another recruit, and I was just thinking, like, I think I definitely want to do it. So then I called up Coach Chavis and Coach Bates, and then I was just hanging out with them in his truck, and then I just I gave him the all-in token. And then after that, just FaceTimed Coach Venables and let him know, and the rest is history. Now, is the all-in token, like, literally a thing, or is that just a, you know, hypothetical thing? It's, it's a little token, and it has all-in on it, and that's how, I mean, if you give them the token, they know. Okay, so it's an actual token. You got the token when you were on the visit, and they said, hey, if you're in, give us a token? Yeah, pretty much. Very cool. Okay, so you committed when you were down there and just happened to make it public here yesterday. Yeah. There was definitely, like, I had a lot of thoughts left that I really just wanted to figure out, and then just over the past week just figured them out. Anything else important for us to know as we tell your commitment story? I mean, just besides the commitment part, just this year, Rogers football, we're gonna, I think we're going to win it all. Like, There's no doubt in my mind that we have the ability to do it. Wow. I mean... You guys were really good last year, so you know that there's enough talent coming back, maybe some kids that will make the jump from JV to varsity, that you guys can be that good? Yeah, for sure. Like, my sophomore and junior year, lost to Mankato West in the semifinals, back-to-back years, and this year I think we're going to do it. Because last year we, our running back was really, really good, and we had a couple other studs, but we had so many juniors and sophomores starting. Like, we have a lot of returners right now. Will you be used any differently based on getting you ready for Oklahoma? Will the Rodgers coaches use you any differently here this year? I don't think so, but I know I'll probably be moved around on the defensive line a lot more, and who knows, I could maybe even play a lot of maybe linebacker or something. But it's a plan also to contribute on offense, but still play some tight end? Yeah, for sure. Definitely tight end. I mean, heck, I mean, this will be your last go to, you know, score some touchdowns, right? Yeah, I mean, in college, hopefully I'll get a couple pick sixes or something like that, but this will be my last Really my last chance to score some touchdowns. I'll tell you what, it is cool when a kid locally that you've covered for a couple years does end up at a helmet school. Hey, my alma mater is the Gophers. I'd love to cover the Gophers in Pasadena in an actual Rose Bowl, not just a game at UCLA in the Rose Bowl Stadium, but in the actual Rose Bowl. I'd love to do that at some point. I've been doing this a really long time. It hasn't come super close to fruition Yet, although I did think in 2019 there was a shot. So trust me, I'd like to see PJ land all these guys. But I will tell you, like Jackson Howard a year ago, heading off to LSU. Now Wyatt Gilmore heading off to Oklahoma. You think about the blue bloods of college football. To me, that is very, very cool. All right, we are done here on Scoop Podcast episode 420. I'll save for episode 421. My recent sit-downs with Wolves rookies Leonard Miller and Jalen Clark, both guys, super fun conversations, especially Jalen Clark. And Jalen told me he sees himself back in action after the calendar flips to 2024. So think about the Iowa Wolves, not the Minnesota Timberwolves, but the G League, the Iowa Wolves, that we could see Jalen in action in early January coming off the torn Achilles. All right, we are done. Have a wonderful 4th of July. Stay safe. 
Stay sane.